0: For many companies, the end customers are actually relying more on the SaaS vendor than the SaaS vendor is relying on the end customer. And so it creates that extremely sticky relationship.
1: Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a bi weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we provide an insider's look into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we take a deep dive into the technologies and strategies that have helped companies overcome operational challenges and increase the value of their multifamily investments. So, without further delay, let's get into today's discussion.
2: Okay, so welcome back to another episode of Sink or Swim. I'm Mitch Fanning with RentSync, formerly LWS. And joining me today is Chris Beeble of Software Equity Group, a firm that provides M&A advisory services for emerging and established software companies across really a variety of industries, including, of course, real estate. Chris, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, Mitch. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. So... This conversation is going to be a little interesting, a little different than, than usual. Normally, our, our audience is multifamily operators and property management firm operators and, and, and vendors, obviously, from the real estate tech space. But since COVID-19, since there's been a, 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 an increase in adoption in terms of these operators bringing on technology to run their businesses and, and do, do business in a new way, and since you have a kind of a ton of experience working with real estate tech companies, specifically on the M&A side, I thought your insights would be of interest to our audience in this, really this ever, ever changing market. But before we actually dig into today's conversation, today's discussion, for those, for those of, uh, who really aren't familiar with you, RSEG, maybe give us a, a quick primer on how you got involved in you know, the real estate technology space and, and really SEG.
0: Sure, and, and thank, thanks Mitch for, for having me and for allowing SEG to participate on this medium. Just very quick background on, on Software Equity Group and myself, first of all, I'm Vice President with Software Equity Group. We go by the acronym SEG. We've been focused on providing MA advisory services to B2B software companies for the better part of 20 years. For us, that typically means we're advising companies through either a sale to a strategic buyer or to a private equity or growth equity type of firm, the latter of which has been pretty active and involved in the real estate tech space and the broader software industry, more so over the past few years. And so we're working with maybe a handful of companies per year through those types of endeavors. And then we're mentoring and guiding a lot of organizations in the preceding, you know, year, two, three years leading up to some sort of a strategic event, and you know, it's, as I mentioned, it's across the software industry. We happen to have a pretty strong emphasis within all things prop tech or real estate technology related. For us, we first got involved in the space probably 15 years or so ago with a company on the commercial side of the real estate ecosystem called uh, Trirega, which provided integrated workplace management solutions more for owner and occupied commercial real estate. That was some of our first exposure. And then we're fortunate to do our first multifamily deal. I think it was in 2008 or 2009 with RealPage, just before they went public. We sold them a business that got them into the long-term care. Facility management space, and then from there, we've just been able to to build you know great network and relationships in the space, and I think we'll cross our thirtieth deal in the in the prop tech real estate market this year. So it's been a great great journey in the space for our firm over the past uh, little over the past decade or so.
2: That's great, And, and I mean, speaking of networking, that's actually how you and I you and I met at a really an industry conference. Prior to COVID really breaking out in North America, and I think one of the things that really we had lunch that you know we we started to kind of riff on is because I'm also yeah. not a part, I don't come from the multifamily background. Just talking about software, the software space or the the SaaS space in general was something that we we kind of talked about as well, uh, and also just the how the the prop tech space has really exploded over the last five to six years was quite interesting to me because prior to that I wasn't really privy to it. So let's just talk about that for a second. There has been that kind of increase in in activity in, in the in the real estate tech or or prop tech space, but it wasn't always like that. Even though you've you have a long history, you have that 10 to 15 year history, you've really seen you know that escalation, I'm sure, firsthand. So in, in your opinion Why is this real estate tech ecosystem, why is it growing so quickly? Kind of give us a sense of what you're seeing out there.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think from a high level the the property, real estate market has been pretty slow to adopt technology, you know, over the years. SaaS, you know, has removed a lot of the friction or pain points around adopting, you know, software and using software, you know, in the market and so you know i think because of because of sort of that that barrier being broken down you've seen a lot of capital flow into the space over the past 10 to 12 years you've also seen a good number of companies focus on the space software companies go public and you've seen those be very successful in the market and so that has also continued to attract capital into the market into this broader space and so You've got a lot of companies that are either growing organically in the space uh, with a good amount of funding and really innovating and in providing solutions to the market that are allowing end customers to better manage and operate you know, their properties regardless of asset class. And then you've also got a good amount of capital that's, that they're leveraging for M&A needs to acquire solutions to get products to customers faster than developing those tools organically. So I think overall, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's just been a a significant flow of capital into the space that's allowed for the ecosystem to really grow pretty substantially over the past, only five to six years, but a decade or so.
2: Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely been that for sure. I also think, I mean, obviously now with the environment we're in, it's been adoption rate has been increasing, obviously. There's a there's a few drivers when it comes to that, but a lot of it has been due to the end user, and that's really what what really is keen here or 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 important. You know, what in addition to that, like you know, we you guys do a lot of research, you know, primarily around the public SaaS company index or or just the public companies and you do a lot of tracking around that and you know one of your theses is in one of the things that you guys are seeing is that you know the the saas model the software as a, as a service model is very resilient why do you think you know certain tech companies why do you think they have done so well is, is it very similar to that just because of, they've got that that recurring recurring model why do you think they've done so well during this time
0: yeah so i think from a high level you know this sort of covid-19 period has been the first I think we did a blog article on this. You know, the first quote pressure test for software as a service companies—the really first challenging period of time that they've had to operate in, just because there weren't that many companies deploying via SaaS during the global financial crisis. But you know, for many companies, the end customers are actually relying more on the SaaS vendor than the SaaS vendor is relying on the end customer, and so it creates that extremely sticky relationship you know for you know the saAS company which you know the vast majority of these organizations are on you know annual or multi-year contracts with their customers and they just have a very very high uh, levels of retention and so the annuity is you know it is valued at a premium particularly in the market today and so I think you have that sort of dynamic going on just from a high level in the broader you know SaaS space, and then, you know, when you look at the real estate, if you drill down a little bit into the real estate space, and we're working with a number of companies, you know, today in market that are performing rather well through this period. We also saw you know a similar type of sort of recession resistance occur during the global financial crisis. I can remember us working with a couple of companies in the multifamily space that you know, just continue to grow, you know, quite well well through the global financial crisis. And so I think, you know, from a high level, we would expect, you know, many, many companies, you know, to do the same during this period in time. But a lot of this is going to be dependent upon, you know, what's know potential subsegment of real estate that you're serving and what types of solutions you're providing to the end market. You know, some companies are seeing really strong tailwinds during this period. If you've got, solutions that are allowing you know residents to make payments you know online. No one wants to be walking obviously into you know the, the property management property manager's office to, to hand off a check in today's environment. So you've seen an uptick in the utilization of, of payments tools during this period. So those companies providing those types of platforms are doing really well. You know uh, you know on the resident engagement or on the tenant engagement side, maybe on the commercial in the commercial space, you know needing an engagement platform with tenants to communicate with them about safely re-entering buildings you know to work is something that is is key. And you may have a bunch of staff that have more time on their hands to strategically think about which products they want to be adopting to better you know manage the manage the buildings. so there there are other tools which obviously are will be, would be in less demand during this time period, but there are certainly those that, are seeing strong tailwinds due to yeah this challenging period
1: like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support now back to the show
2: no for sure and as operators continued to lean on technology during this time instead of being reactive and, and again, you know, maybe in the past they haven't had to adopt on this technology or, or change the ways of doing business. And as they be, be, become more proactive, on the flip side, you've got these, these operators of companies who are kind of the, in the real estate tech ecosystem who are providing those, those uh, subscription services to, to these operators. Those those companies now are in a situation where, because of what the end user is doing, they have to make some decisions. They have to build out or improve maybe their product suite. And in doing so, they have to make some decisions. They have to either build, buy, or partner. When you're talking to, or even just from past experience, when companies are in this situation and they're trying to deploy uh, solutions, Quickly to take advantage of this kind of again this environment, if if it's something that uh, if there is demand for it, how have you kind of instructed or or how do you personally kind of see that that decision playing out as far as build buyer partner in this environment?
0: And that's from a buyer standpoint. Yeah. So I, I think well, number one, I would say you know for most of the companies that that we're working with. You know, these are businesses that might be five to call it $50 million of revenue. So they're relatively small in the broader scope of, you know, software company sizes. You're going to get the most, you know, sort of rewards or value for the business by, you know, maintaining, you know, a, le- a level of organic growth, you know, over time, you know, that that's higher than, you know, perhaps, you know, those that are you know, doing so via acquisition and you know, sort of supplementing maybe modest organic growth with 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 you know what we call inorganic growth or acquisitions, and so the businesses that you know are and the businesses that are able to sort of control their you know their go to market channels and maintain sort of the direct relationship with you know customers are are also going to be a little bit more rewarded than say you know sort of the opposite approach so the to the extent that you know businesses can maintain sort of organic growth in a direct channel, you know it's certainly where we would be potentially advising folks to focus first. you know, and then you know, but taking advantage of opportunistic partnering opportunities with larger vendors where maybe they can they've got a large large distribution channel that you can leverage uh, to get your product in the market quicker. but just just always being you know cognizant of you know not relying on third parties you know, too much right, you know, and being able to sort of maintain, you know, sort of the direct sort of you know channel to to your customers, I think is is important. And then if you do find something that you know your customers are clamoring for and it's highly strategic and you just don't necessarily have the time to build it because maybe you have some other priorities, but you have the cash to make an acquisition. You know, then certainly we would encourage that. You know, obviously, you know, being careful to not take your eye off the ball of, of sort of the core business. But if you have the comfort level and financial resources or wherewithal to, to make acquisitions opportunistically, then we would we'd certainly encourage that and see.
2: No, exactly. There's always there's always decisions to be made, and there's always, you know, there's always a a cost to. You can only do so many things, you know you've got to, you've got to choose wisely. Now, the next is kind of a a two-parter here, you know, as as we kind of look forward, say, say, say post even COVID. The first part is, you know, how are you thinking about the future of really the, the, the tech ecosystem in general? And let's kind of focus on, on the real estate side, as far as just general activity. And, And then, and then two as a result of obviously this transition into remote work. How are you thinking about you know, remote work? Maybe just from a personal standpoint, as far as like, you know, SEG, but just, just general thoughts on, on remote. So we'll start with the first part.
0: Sure, so I think, you know, as we think about the future of the real estate tech ecosystem, we're, we're very bullish on the, the health of the overall ecosystem. Given, as I mentioned earlier, the amount of capital that's been invested in the market over the past, you know, three, four, five, six years, you know, it's it's going to propel a number of companies to scale. I think. And you'll see over the next five years, a very healthy, you know, number of companies that are reaching critical mass that have, you know, funding. I'm sure we'll continue to see companies IPOing and going public. And have access to you know additional liquidity, that's going to breed competition, and it's also going to you know generate you know more innovation over time, and so I think that's that's good for the overall health of the ecosystem. You know, moving forward, I think that you know buildings and facilities just kind of generally are going to continue to become smarter. You know, they're going to continue to become more engaging. You know, if you're thinking about yeah, you know, building on the on the commercial side, it needs to engage with the employees. It needs to, you know, improve the overall you know employee experience when you're actually in the office setting. You know, if you're on the multifamily side, you know, you need to be able to provide you know solid communication, good communication to you know residents around you know use of amenities and maybe curating you know things like uh, you know menus from local restaurants to provide you know additional services and differentiate your property versus you know the one down the street and so i think that you know technology is going to continue to you know be a big driver of how you know property properties differentiate and just generally speaking become you know more efficiently managed in the future yeah and then i guess lastly on your on your question around remote work you know clearly the pandemic fortunate that you know we're in a period now where we have all of these great tools that allow us to all work. Rem- at least some sub segment of the workforce is fortunate to be able to work remotely from home and have the tools to be able to do so. We should certainly be fortunate those of us that that are able to do so. You know, you know, at, at least you know for SEG and for our business, you know, we were already leveraging you know you know platforms like Zoom and Microsoft Teams to sort of sort of run our businesses on a, on a day-to-day basis. I think this has made sort of our, you know, processes, you know, around collaboration and communication, you know, stronger as a firm. So I think, you know, certainly taking something, you know, as a positive takeaway from this challenging period, I do think that you sort of miss, you know, the, the just kind of the, the, the socializing of ideas, you know, and, you know, that that occur you know when you're in person together you know working as a team you know there's just there's just it feels like there's there's certainly something that you know comes out of being able to physically interact with folks that you know creates magic in in certain instances around maybe you know new product developments or the ways that you know you know we're running deals or or advising clients that you get through sort of a physical interaction so my hope at least. And and I think the way that it sort of will work out is that, you know, there'll certainly be a larger element of re- sort of working remotely when we're past this difficult period. But I think that we'll we'll still, there'll still be a need to work, you know, in offices and to, you know, collaborate in person and, uh, you know, on, a, on more of a regular basis for sure.
2: Oh, I agree. I think there's a, I think at the end of the day, there's going to be some type of hybrid. It always, it all obviously depends on, the business or the organization or the situation, but I think in 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 a lot of cases, as far as a baseline, it'll be a bit of a hybrid. Now that the genie is out of the bottle, I think you're gonna you're gonna see that a lot of companies take on a hybrid approach as far as remote work. So we're gonna we're gonna switch gears for the last time. So so enough of the with the hard questions that uh, I've uh, so I appreciate your your patience. One of the things we're gonna do now is a bit of a just a quick fire round to close off where i'll I'll say a, a statement, and you'll have you know ninety seconds to respond, Chris, sure, are you ready? Yep, all right. first question, what do you believe that others might disbelieve?
0: That's a good question, so I guess maybe I'll keep it on the topic of m and a so you know one I guess misconception you know that that I think folks have about working with buyers you know post m&a deal so the 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 folks that the entrepreneurs that that sort of approach working with the buyer post deal that have very high expectations around driving change you know and in sort of growth you know in the business tend to last the shortest period of time you know with the buyer and those that have sort of very low expectations and maybe don't really have an appetite or care tend to last the longest. And so, you know, we, what we've generally found is that, you know, the entrepreneurs, you know, that exit to some of the larger buyers, they just have that entrepreneurial mindset. And as much as they would like to, you know, continue to change the world, it's just difficult for them to do that with, you know, maybe some of the constraints of a large, larger, you know, corporate you know setting versus those that really kind of go into it with you know lower expectations tend to find themselves adding a significant amount of value. You know, the buyers are very appreciative of that. And you know they're they're maybe picking up a you know a really nice paycheck and you know they tend to kind of stick around a little bit longer. So I guess that would that would maybe be a misconception that you know we tend to see amongst entrepreneurs.
2: Oh for sure. Second question. What have you changed your mind about recently?
0: What have I changed my mind about recently? So I don't know if I've changed my mind about this, but you know the whole pandemic has given me a a much, you know, better appreciation or more significant appreciation for the amount of energy and effort that it takes for my wife to chase around our <laughs> uh, young daughter every day at home. <laughs> Seeing it, you know, every single day is, uh, you know, you know, she's it's just amazing. And so I guess that's something that I haven't changed my mind about it. I always knew that it was difficult, but this has given me an even greater level of appreciation for everything that
2: she does. You and me both. And uh, if my wife's yeah. listening, she'll uh, she'll appreciate that one. So I appreciate <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. So last question, just to come to a close, where can uh, people find you on the interweb?
0: Yeah, so you know, you can find us on our website, www.softwareequity.com. We do publish a good amount of uh, research on the broader SaaS and software markets as well as in the real estate and prop- property technology segments. And so I would encourage you to at least, visit, at least visit the research section of our website. And then on LinkedIn as well, Chris Beeble, you can find me on LinkedIn.
2: I usually, when I see it come in my inbox, I'll save it for the weekend because it, it really is something that I don't like to glaze over. I like to really read through it. And also you do have a, a report and I'm not sure if it happens, maybe if it happens every quarter, maybe, or just it doesn't happen every month on the real estate tech space. you There was one that I recently downloaded. So, so lots of good stuff there. So I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah,
0: yeah that's great. That's great. And we do, I mean, we we've not only published our you know, I encourage everyone to sort of maybe sign up for a, a piece of research content on our website. We we publish a good amount of quarterly research. We publish industry specific research. We also publish lots of different topics around you know SaaS software company operations. We're interviewing lots of you know industry experts on certain topical areas and sort of trying to publish that on a weekly or sort of biweekly basis. And so certainly would encourage you know everyone to be on our mailing list and get access to that content on an ongoing basis.
2: Absolutely. And I, again, I'll put that in the show notes. That's it for really another episode, Chris. Thank you so much for doing this. Tell Alan, I said hello. And uh, I will
0: definitely do so
2: until next time. Uh, keep swimming.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch.
1: You've reached the end of another episode of sink or swim. Make sure to visit us at rentsync.com podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in this show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. That's this week's episode of Sink or Swim. Don't forget to join us next time for another jam-packed episode. Thanks for listening.